in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So, hi and welcome to another episode of The Leadership Enigma, and I am delighted to welcome the guest for this week, Paul Pacifico. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pacifico? Is that a relation? Yeah, you bet. It is a relation. Paul Pacifico is my cousin. Paul, say hello to everyone. Hello, Adam. Hello, uh, all the listeners out there. Now, why is my cousin on an episode? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, Paul is currently the CEO of AIM, the Association of Independent Music. He is teaching currently at Berkeley School of Music, or College of Music, I should say, on the International Global's Master's Programme in Valencia. He's on the board of the Roundhouse Music Strategy Board itself. He's a trustee of the English National Ballet. Oh, Paul, you're better placed than I am to tell people about this, but you have worked with some of the A-listers within the music industry. So I know you're very humble, but just tell everyone a little bit about the level you're working at. Thanks, Adam. Uh, I've had a I've had a funny old uh, career because it, well, you're it, a Pacifico, so what do you expect? indeed? So it has it hasn't gone in a straight line, should we say? So I, you know, I I grew up uh, in a family of musicians. Was playing music from a very young age. Um, was going always going to be a professional musician, and then uh, at the last minute deviated and took a career break in banking and strategy consultancy for for almost a decade before realizing it wasn't what I wanted to do. Cool, I remember and, uh, that. Yeah, going back into music, starting my music business. So I then, I then built a business in music as an entrepreneur uh, and got back into playing. And I, 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 yeah, you're, you're right. I was really fortunate to be able to work with and play with uh, some, of, some of my musical heroes. So everyone from Quincy Jones and Niall Rogers and, and, and Stevie Wonder and Jimmy Cliff through to, to, to you know, exciting, dynamic, contemporary artists. I mean, the whole, the whole spectrum across lots of different genres, um it's been a really i've been very 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 fortunate all the talent went to your side of the family i'm so jealous but i'm trying to get over it but it's fine really isn't it ah but you're <laughs> hosting the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh well small mercies there we go uh but you're the currently the ceo of aim just give us a little bit of an overview of, of what that entails Sure. So AIM is a, uh, uh, um, a trade association, I guess, that represents the interests of the community of, of entrepreneurs in music in the UK. So these are the independent labels, the self-releasing artists, the music distributors and all those associated businesses. Uh, and it makes up around 25% of the market in the UK. Right. So it's a really exciting, dynamic, diverse uh, innovative community. And, and because I've had that experience, I guess, of building my own business, being an artist, being a musician, uh, and having been, you know, the bank in the banking, corporate, strategy, consultancy world, I've got a good kind of rounded experience that I get to to bring to bear. So Paul has all the fun. Just in case you're wondering, so whenever I chat to him, he's either on the red carpet, he's at an award ceremony, he's kind of uh, shoulder to shoulder with A-listers. Um, but as I say, I'm, I'm I'm managing myself through that process. Now, listen, I'm really delighted uh, just to catch up with you uh, generally. Um, I kind of miss you and the family, but we're talking about creative entrepreneurship. So I need to start with asking you to help us understand what 
is creative entrepreneurship. Yeah, it, that, it's, it's, and it's funny that you even asked me that question because having I asked now, you that over a curry, do you remember, many months ago? I know, and this is what got this whole conversation going because having been in the music industry now for 15 years and, and talking to students at Berkeley, but also, you know, universities here in the UK and elsewhere overseas, um, it, it's taken as read that we're creative businesses. And so yeah. to be an entre- a creative entrepreneur is kind of obvious. Then when you turned around to me and said, what actually does that mean? Because I really didn't know got any me- better, right? No, it really got me thinking. And, and I think fundamentally the idea is that a lot of traditional businesses um, have lots of processes. Yep. And they're, and they're desperately trying to sort of retrofit creativity to those processes. And I've worked with some of those companies, you know, big global corporations doing, doing that kind of stuff as an advisor, as a consultant. Mm-hmm. But actually creative entrepreneurship starts from the other end of the telescope. And it, it does have equal but opposite problems. So you start with unbridled creativity and you're having to retrofit process to that. And I kind of, I got very interested in this idea that when I'm working with students and entrepreneurs in music, it's all going from sort of left to right creativity to business process. Right. And when I'm consulting to and working with large corporates and brands, it's the opposite. It's starting from process and trying to retrofit creativity. And I kind of think there's a really interesting conundrum where we're wrestling with equal and opposite concepts and that both sides have a lot to learn from each other. And it, 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 for me, when, when I'm working with sort of businesses, I'm bringing in a lot of concepts that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, using and working with artists on. When I'm working with artists, I'm bringing in a lot of concepts from the business side. And actually, it's, it, the, the most exciting point is kind of halfway up the telescope okay. where creativity and process are working in harmony. And if you can achieve that, you know, you're really cooking with gas, whether you're a music artist or whether you're a, a, you know, a big global sort of banking organization or insurance company. Now, it's funny, Paul, because I, you, know, I'm, you know that I'm working with a lot of the, the global corporates and creativity and innovation are really some of those superpowers that that individuals and collectives are really trying to harness now. So what advice have you got for trying to manage that scale, as you say, between process and creativity? What should organizations be looking to do? Well, I think it's creativity is often misunderstood by large corporations. Creativity is one of those scary concepts where it's sort of, of, you've got to have either unbridled creativity or absolutely locked down process. And there's no kind of happy medium. And actually what happens is a very interesting process when you start to think about what about professional creativity? How do you, how do you exist as a professional songwriter or a film score? How does a film score get written on time on budget? How does, it, how does an album actually get delivered and finalized? And you kind of think, well, hang on, actually, lots of people work very successfully in very creative ways and obviously deliver on time on budget. I mean, advertising, surely the, adver- the whole advertising industry is the execution of, of, of incredible creativity on time, on budget, and to a targeted brief. And, and for me, this is, this, is, this is a sort of fascinating area where actually um, it is possible to dial up and dial down the openness to creativity in different moments that make your business processes much more effective. So there's a time to say yes to everything. Okay. And there's a time to say yes to only one thing. And it's understanding where that moment is, where the balance is for you and having creating space 
for those moments where you can say yes to everything, to explore possibility, to explore ideas, to, to usher in the unexpected, but then to have a moment where you consciously transition into a more business orientated mindset where you start to say, okay, but what does that mean? Now you just used a word Paul that I was going to use and that was mindset because I think that's incredibly important. And, you know, I've spoken before about mindset or belief because Mm -hmm. as you believe, so you behave and as you behave, so you perform. That was the premise of my book. And I'm starting to see that play out in so many different circumstances now, especially as we're still in the middle of a lockdown and the global pandemic. But you've also been working on three concepts of creative entrepreneurship as well. So tell us what those three are, and then let's go through those one by one. Okay. So I, in my class at Berkeley, mm-hmm. I, I go in there and, and, and my class is made up of, you know, 30 or so uh, artists who are doing their, their masters of music in contemporary performance. These are right. some of the most talented virtuoso musicians in the world. And they literally, out of 30 students, they probably come from 28 different countries each year. Wow. I and mean, it's the most incredible uh, um, spectrum of people, experiences. You know, some of them are playing traditional instruments. Some of them are playing, you know, classical instruments, modern instruments. Like that. It's, it's incredible. It's a, a real melting pot. And I know that I'm the guy that gets wheeled out to talk to them about business and it's their mandatory business module and it's <laughs> the class they least want to do. So I walk in there and, and I know that. And I, I started really trying to figure out how can I tell them a story that helps them frame the idea that doing business around their art is not necessarily fundamentally uh, to compromise. Right. And that actually not compromising can be a facet of success. And that a lot of really successful brands out there use principles that apply to artists that are very relevant to the journey they're going to be on that they can learn from and reflect on. And I started thinking about, you know, cool brands that are out there, you know, whether that's, you know, Apple or, you know, Adidas or whoever it is, you know, and thinking, why do they, why do they feel cool to some people? Right. A lot of people. Okay. So this is about now, this is taking us into the three, the three concepts, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And for me, I, I put a lot of thought in it. I distilled it down to just three concepts that connected with my students and made them feel, yes, as an artist, that's absolutely what makes sense to me. And then when you zoom out, it still makes sense to any brand in the world, no matter what it is. And okay. for me, it's, it's three things. It's vision, vision, identity, and community. So vision, identity, and community. That's right. And I kind of normally, I see them in a kind of triangle with vision at the top. And, and for me, when they're working well, when, you, when you're ticking each of those three things, you're creating a very powerful virtuous circle. Okay. And, and where something's not working with the business, particularly if you're, if you're looking at a music artist, let's say, where, some, where the artist, where it's not quite working for them, they can go back to those three concepts. And what you'll likely find is that one of them is out of kilter. And when you bring them into alignment, the, you know, the, 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 the energy starts to really flow around that circle and their business starts to build. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's start with that first one, vision, because I think you said that's really at the top of the pyramid, isn't it? So mm. um, help us understand vision in this context, Paul. Yeah, that's the, the founding principle. Uh, you know, in, in the music market now, we have probably uh, 100,000 tracks a week being released, new tracks onto streaming platforms. 
in addition to wow. the 30, 40, 50 million tracks in the repertoire that are already up there. Wow. So the problem, the problem isn't how to get to market. The problem is how to cut through the noise and be heard. Like many businesses, right? How do you cut through the competition? Exactly. And, and for me, that comes down to vision. And the vision is the absolutely unadulterated, crystal clear understanding of who you are, what you stand for, and what it is you're trying to say. Okay. Does that make sense? So it's, it, it, um, unfettered by reality or practicality, your vision is the sort of unadulterated, uh, uncompromising version of you. It's almost in its purest or undiluted form. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly that. Right. Okay. So that's vision. So help us with the next one, identity. So identity is really the lens through which you're channeling your vision. So the, the, your identity is the physical manifestation of that vision. And, and it's very often in that process, you know, you've got an idea for what you're about. You've got an idea for what you want to achieve. You've got an idea for what you're trying to say, but it's in the, in the delivery of it that so often the message is, is muddied or lost. Right. And that for, for, for an artist, that could be how they dress, their artwork, their logo, their, you know, all sorts of things that communicate what you stand for, who you're about. For a brand equally, you know, um, your logo positioning, so much of that is about communicating your message and your vision. So a lot of this, Paul, has, has sometimes got to do with symbols, hasn't it? Or iconography, because that's so relevant to an organization's culture, because it represents who they are, especially in a public domain. So is, is very, that the kind of thing? Definitely. That, right. Okay. So very definitely. Thing. But the, you see, the idea, when, 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 I, when I hear a lot of branding conversations with clients, and the discussion is always about, you know, logos and things like that, and color schemes and things, and you sort of think, well, if you don't know what it is you're trying to say, it's very difficult to figure out how to say it. To retrofit it. Yeah. Whereas if you really, really spend the time and it it might feel a bit self-indulgent, but if you spend the time in the first place, getting your vision right, then when people are showing you mood boards, you kind of go, yeah, that's it. Not that, that. And your decision-making becomes much more efficient and effective. I suppose in a corporate environment, it's a little bit like vision, mission, values, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, So, so help me with the third one then, because that's community, isn't it? Yeah. What do we mean by that? community are ultimately the people that you're trying to connect with and that if you connect with them correctly they end up actually forming a a sort of a a positive feedback loop with you uh, and they actually become your champions and your uh your support network out there in the world um and actually what what you often find is that if you make lots of you can be surprised about who your community is. And in the digital market, in the digital world, you can very often find yourself commu- connecting with a community that you didn't quite expect to connect with. They weren't necessarily your target market, but suddenly you feel you're doing well in certain areas. Right. And that's quite interesting because you kind of think, well, why is that? And it might be something to do with how your, uh, how your lens is working, how your identity is working. So it's sort of, you can adjust your identity to better connect with a community that you think connects better with your vision. Because ultimately, if you connect with the right people in the right way and are expressing your values authentically, they will become your most passionate advocates and they're going to end up actually reinforcing everything you're trying to put out there and becoming that, that core, core group of super fans who not only are going to buy everything you put out there, but get all their friends along too. 
right and, and we see this we see this with music artists but we also see it with very successful global brands so let me ask you a question paul if you who out there is doing this really well that's a good question in terms of well from, from an artist perspective or? yeah from an artist perspective in in, in your view uh, you don't have to mention my name but who do you think is doing this really well i'd say you know look at Billie eilish look at where she's come from where she's going it's, it's very clear who she is and what she's about what she stands for what she's trying to say how she communicates that and 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 the very passionate community that respond to that look at uh, artists like i mean there are younger artists like lauv like uh, um um little sims aj tracy dave you know yeah. british artists who are doing phenomenal things and then you know perhaps more established artists i mean um if you name a band like radiohead you you have such a strong sense of who they are and what they're about. Am I, am I showing my Am I showing my age now? By well, I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give you a spectra. I was I was <laughs> I was naming names until I saw recognition on your face. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I think it's true. It's like it, no matter where you're from, or you know, you could think of an artist. I mean, Prince. If you say Prince, it's very difficult not to have a really clear idea of the essence of Prince, not just his music not just his appearance, yep. not just, you know, the symbol and all the other, you know, there is a, there is a con a conceptual idea that hits you when you say Prince. Yeah. And, and that's the same for actually for all great artists, because it's not just the music. There's a, there's a conceptual version of them that resonates with you beyond the music. It's not limited to genre. So, you know, Prince and Stevie Wonder and, you know, Quincy and all those. Yes. But Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Or, you know, ACDC. It doesn't matter what music you're into. Bob Marley. It doesn't, I've heard you know, of all of these, by the way, Paul, just, just in case you're wondering. All right. So. 50 Cent, NWA, you name any music, any music with a really iconic, celebrated artist, and, you, and, and you're struck by the idea of them, their, their conceptual essence, which is linked to their vision, which goes beyond the music. Okay. So the music, the music is, is part of an expression of the identity, not, uh, you know, the vision, not the other way around. So, so it's part, not whole. Yeah, the, vi the vision comes before the music. Right. So the music is part of the expression of, of their vision. It has to complement and reinforce that vision, which was of course, the starting it's part, point. part of their identity. So as this is the leadership of Enigma, Paul, any thoughts in relation to, and you've worked in corporate as well, how does this transfer across to leaders and leadership, potentially? I think it does. And I, I use this in my own uh, um, roles where I'm in a leadership position. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it comes down actually to the why. Tell me more. You know, and we talk often about the sort of who, what, where, why of, 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 of business. Um, this is the absolute distillate of, of the why. The kind of what's it all about question. Like, why are we even here? Purpose. Even, you know, this is about the purpose, right? It is. This is, this is absolutely about purpose. Uh, but uh, for me, vision is a, uh, a framework that enables the thought around purpose to be, I think, more creative. Purpose for me sounds functional. Okay. Purpose for me implies, uh, you know, we're here to deliver on something our purpose is about. You know, vision for me allows you to take a step back and be even more lateral, even broader in your, in your thinking around uh, um, you know, without wanting to get uh, 
metaphysical about these things, but from an artist's point of view, thinking about, do I even have something to say? Okay. Uh, uh, and it's, it's sort of pre-purpose, actually, in a sense, that, that, that very undiluted uh, crystallization of vision. Or, sorry, it's even uncrystallized because, you know, the crystallization happens in the, in the creation and the formation of your identity. So, Paul, I know that you're, you're working on this at the moment, this mm. whole concept and theme of creative entrepreneurship. I know there's a book in you somewhere as well, by the way, <laughs> and that you're starting to delve into this theme with your, your students at Berkeley. How can people get hold of you if they want to explore this further? Oh, goodness. Uh, uh, on all, all the usual channels, all the normal socials and stuff. LinkedIn's good for me. I like LinkedIn. Uh, right. I'm, my handle on most socials is All Stars Paul. Uh, because my um, business that I built, Specific Music, uh, was built around a collective of session musicians called the All Stars Collective. Uh, and so for many years, it was like Paul from the All Stars. So All Stars Paul is my Twitter handle, Instagram, and all the others. All right, well, let's just put that in perspective, because when you say, you know, you pull together this gaggle of session musicians, <laughs> let's just be real here, they've played at a fairly high level. Just give give the listeners uh, some examples of, of where that group have actually played or who they played with. Well, I mean, you know, these are, these are the people that have, you know, some of the, the top session musicians in the world and, and you may not know their names, but you probably, no matter what music you're into, have got uh, uh, them playing in your, in your record collection or on your, on your uh, Spotify playlists, uh, no matter where you are. So, I mean, they played with, you know, everybody, all the great artists and, and actually through pulling them together. I mean, we've, We've done some fun stuff. We, we, yeah, we've worked with, with a lot of good, good people and for a lot of good causes, actually. We, we started thinking about, um, actually, we brought together this kind of unique concentration of talent. What could we do with it? Um, and we realized, actually, that one of, the, one of the areas we could really be helpful was in the charity space. Because a lot of charities do fundraisers. They do these dinners and shows, and they're trying to attract, you know, high-value high donors. and um, and we thought, well, they're all kind of doing the same thing. They're all, you know, trying to get a big artist to come and perform. Um, could we do something a bit cooler, a bit more differentiated? And so what we started doing was putting together this unparalleled, this sort of brilliant house band idea, and then inviting artists we knew to come and perform. Yeah. Uh, and it's been fantastic. I mean, the, 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 we had for, for 10 years, we've done the main, uh, the music for the main kind of annual fundraiser for Save the Children. Yes. Uh, we've worked with a bunch of different charities around the world. And I think we, we figured out last year, uh, that I think we raised over 80 million, 80 million pounds wow. for different charities over the years, which has been really, really something we're proud of. I, I remember, Paul, actually, I'm going back to a family memory now. Well, I think my, my daughter, now 17, was much younger and sang with the All-Stars at your brother's wedding, if you remember that. And I think you actually had one of the lead singers I did. to soul there. I was in awe of what was going on. And then my daughter, <laughs> who must have been about seven, decided that she wanted to sing with them. So. And she was more than welcome. It's a, this is the thing. But this is the other thing. It's like in all, in all areas of life, when, when, you, when you get through to people who are really comfortable in themselves because they've made it, they've got nothing to prove to anybody. I love the idea that you're in an environment which is inclusive and welcoming and warm. And that for me is something that I've, I've absolutely learned from working with the highest level of musicians in the world, taken really taken it in and on board uh, and you recognize it immediately you recognize it out there in the corporate world when somebody is really comfortable in their skin and knows who they are they have 
that ability to be warm, welcoming, and inclusive. And well, that's an incredible expression of power. I love that as, a, as an ending comment for the, for the episode because inclusivity or a culture of inclusivity and human-centered leadership is something that I'm personally passionate about. So it's kind of nice to, to end with that. But not quite because I've got one fun question for you, Paul, which you've got no notice of. And, <laughs> and that is what would be the best advice you would give a 21-year-old Paul? Aha. Uh-huh. Best advice. I would say... 21-year-old myself, mm-hmm. it would be have the courage of your convictions. Just do it because, and believe in yourself. It took me a long time uh, to bring more of myself to the table, by which right. I mean not trying to second guess what was going on around me, not trying to second guess who I should be in that moment, but to really have the courage to represent who I am. And, it, and that comes, what you just said uh, is absolutely the nail on the head. It's about human-centered leadership. My beliefs my ethics, my uh, understanding of how I'd like the world to be and how I can have an impact on shaping it is something that only in the last five, 10 years I've started to understand and only even more recently started really to be able to deliver on. And that takes, like takes time, it takes bravery. I think it takes a bit more maturity. That's what I would say to my 21-year-old self. It's good advice. It's good advice. Now, Paul, um, I, I'm teasing the listeners because I think you and I are going to come back onto the Leadership Enigma with another special guest. I think we're going to try and run a bit of an experiment, aren't we? I'm not saying anything because we're working it out, aren't we? But I think there's something fun in the pipeline, right? It, yeah, absolutely. We've had a crazy idea. And I think it might just work. God, that's such a family trait. It really is. But <laughs> watch out. That should be fun. Paul, it's been amazing to have you on the Leadership Enigma. Thank you, I'm my sorry. friend. Stay safe. You too, man. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.